You're listening to the Brooks Snow podcast, conversations to help you live in your true identity as the creator of your life. I'm your host, Brooks Snow. You have episode 119, choosing grace in home life instead of living the law of Moses. Now, you're probably familiar with the Law of Moses' approach to justice. It is an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. I have always applied my understanding of this phrase to obvious enemies and instances in which one person offends me personally. However, I've never noticed until recently how I apply this mindset in far more ways than I realized and how it was hurting my relationships. A few weeks ago, I read Adam Miller's newest book, Original Grace. And if you haven't yet noticed, this book has influenced my podcasts all month long. I am not a sponsor of the book, but I have been forever changed by it, which is why I can't stop talking about it. After I created my book review episode, I have had some personal experiences applying what I have learned that I just couldn't help but share. I hope, like me, that it helps you have more grace in your everyday home life experiences and in your closest relationships. If you enjoy this podcast, I know you would love my book, Living in Your True Identity. It's available on Amazon.com and in Deseret Bookstores. It's filled with 21 tools to help you live life as the best version of yourself. Today's review of the week comes from Yoga Mom of Four. She says, Brooke, the Law of Creation series is a life changer for me. Thank you for helping me see what the law of attraction was missing and for helping me seek my divine potential. I'm especially grateful for your new episodes with quick tips and the newest book club. Thank you. Your insights and review prompted me to add this book to what I am seeing, saying, feeling, doing, and becoming with the added measure of grace in ways I had never considered before. I, like you, will be reading this one over and over again. Keep up this marvelous work. You have my prayers, love, and support. Yoga Mom! Thank you for the review. I am so grateful to hear that you love the newer short episodes and the book club. This is really helpful feedback for me. And I have to say, I love that you are already applying the principle of grace to what you see, say, feel, do, and become. And for anyone wondering about the Law of Creation series that she mentioned, I have a free ebook you can download to get the entire transcript of that life-changing series. You can find it on my website at brooksnow.com. Thank you, Yoga Mom, for your review. Keep being an amazing creator. Keep using grace. I am cheering you on. If you want to be the reviewer of the week, please leave me a five-star review in iTunes and share your favorite takeaway so far. Now, if you haven't left a review yet, will you please do that today? Just pause the episode and leave a quick review right now. My goal is to make it to 1,000 reviews by the end of the year. And right now we're only about 25 reviews away from that happening. Will you be one of those people that can help me meet my goal? I want this podcast to help as many people as possible. And the more reviews a show has, the more it shows up for others as a recommended podcast. So thank you so much for listening and for sharing. So friends, this is my third episode in a row talking about the topic of grace. And it is all inspired by the book, Original Grace by Adam Miller. 
To recap once again, let me share a quick quote from the book that catches us up on this amazing perspective. Adam says, according to the logic of original sin, the purpose of the law is punishment. The law's purpose is to judge what is deserved. The law is a divine mechanism for judging who deserves to suffer or not and to what degree. The point of the law is accusation. The logic of grace, on the other hand, takes the purpose of the law to be love. The law's purpose is to still judge, but now to judge what is needed. The law is a divine mechanism for judging what is needed to relieve suffering and liberate sinners. The point of the law is grace. The contrast between these two logics is sharp. Where sin reasons backwards about whether someone's suffering is deserved, grace reasons forward about how best to respond to that suffering. Where sin understands God's law as a tool of condemnation, grace understands God's law as a discipline of compassion. Where sin uses the law to obligate suffering, grace uses the law to command succor. Sin uses God's law to ask what is deserved. Grace uses God's law to ask what is needed. The law is about justice, not punishment. Punishment defined as the work of returning evil to those who have done evil can only compound evil. Punishment as the work of giving people what they deserve can only make the world more unjust. Justice is the art of determining what good is needed. Justice doesn't fight against itself by returning good on one occasion and evil on another. Rather, justice adopts an entirely different logic. Justice returns good for good and good for evil. Close quote. So, (laughs) does hearing this make you pause and rethink your life like it did for me? I would like to think that I have moved beyond living the law of Moses in my life. I'd like to think that I don't operate on the belief system of an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. After reading this book, I'm suddenly seeing where I totally live the law of Moses in ways I least expected. For example, a few weeks ago, my son had a mountain bike race early on a Saturday morning. At 6 a.m., I was trying to rush all the family into getting dressed, gathering supplies, and getting out the door in time to make it to the race. It's at this point that my son declares that he can't find the mate to his shoe. Wait, what? (laughs) Why is only one shoe missing? This kid is nearly 13 years old. This never happens. Where is his other shoe? Then I hear my daughter shout accusingly, it's probably outside. He was throwing it on the roof yesterday. (laughs) So he goes outside and I immediately hear his groans. He found a shoe, not on the roof, but on the grass 
the wet grass that had just enjoyed an hour of being watered by automated sprinklers, and his shoe is soaked. He only has one pair of athletic shoes, and one of those shoes is now drenched and must be worn for his race in 60 minutes. He walks into the house totally upset. Immediately, the response that boils up in my head is the phrase, well, that's what you get for leaving your shoe outside. If you'd only follow the house rules and put things away properly, then this would have never happened. In other words, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. That's what you get for leaving your shoes outside. Thankfully... I experienced a moment of awareness before those words came out of my mouth. Instantly, in that moment, I saw that I was in the old mindset of original sin. I was asking the question, what is deserved? In that moment, when I noticed what I was thinking, instead, I chose to align with a new perspective the belief in original grace. So I asked myself a different question. What is needed? I could see he felt stupid. (laughs) He felt upset with himself for leaving his shoe outside. And he was consigned to wearing it since he had no other options. What was needed was some compassion and empathy. Instead of the original thoughts that came to my mind, I said, Oh, buddy, I am so sorry. And I gave him a hug. Instantly, he softened up. He seemed to get an idea in his mind and he disappeared momentarily to go find a towel and see how much moisture he could soak up and squeeze out. We all piled into the car and no one said another word about the shoe and he didn't even offer a single complaint. The morning was not ruined by the discovery. We didn't have terrible moods, and we had a great race experience. It's amazing the different outcome that choosing to love, choosing to respond to what was needed, instead of choosing to condemn and focusing on what was deserved, it was amazing to see the different result it created. The very next day... I had another similar profound interaction. My husband had been involved in a late Saturday night event, and so I went to bed knowing he wouldn't be home before I went to sleep. Sunday morning, I wake up and I went about my typical unplugged morning routine. And it wasn't until about 9 a.m. that I actually checked my text messages only to read a message he had sent me at 11.30 p.m. the night before. The message said, I just got in a wreck. I'll be even later. I was shocked. (laughs) I had seen him asleep in bed when I had gotten up earlier. I had no idea when he had finally come home or that he had been involved in a car accident. I immediately raced upstairs to our room to ask for the details of what had happened. He quickly confirmed that nobody was injured, but described how the crash had occurred from him making a left turn. Instantly, the thought in my head was, left turn? The crash is your fault then. It was a left turn. It's your fault. 
Again, thankfully, I felt a flash of awareness that I was in the old mindset. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. You made the left turn and didn't see the other car, so it's your fault. You got what you deserved. Thankfully, once again, I had enough awareness to ask a different question. Not what is deserved, but what is needed. Instead of saying what I had been thinking, I gave him a big long hug and told him I was so grateful he was safe and okay. He instantly softened and vulnerably expressed some of his feelings about the experience. I wish I could say I always react this way. I don't. In fact, it's likely embarrassing for me to look back on my entire life to see evidence after evidence of the bajillion times I have responded instead with the mentality of asking what is deserved. I think I've always applied the phrase an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth more literally. It's applied to obvious enemies and instances in which one person has offended me personally. I've never noticed how I apply this mindset so quickly in my everyday moments of judging the experiences of people around me. How many times have I jabbed my own family with phrases like, well, maybe now you'll learn your lesson (laughs) or that's what you get for making that choice. In both of these stories, My son and my husband had a very uncomfortable consequence to pay for their choice. They're certainly going to learn from the experience without me stating the obvious. They already got what they deserved from natural laws of cause and effect. But I'm coming to see a whole new dimension of what it means to not use justice as a way to judge what is deserved but to use justice to judge what is needed. Both of these experiences, I judged what was needed, and I am astonished at how instantly it blessed the other person. They softened. They opened up. My effort to extend love instead of condemnation put me in a position to hold space for them as they navigated the consequences of what happened. Both of us were edified and supported. Now, I'm suddenly seeing opportunities like this all day long, every day. (laughs) I wonder if this is what it was like to have been in the crowd of disciples gathered to hear Jesus give his sermon on the mount. Did they go home that day feeling like their life had suddenly shifted into a new dimension? Did they suddenly see the contrast in the everyday moments of how they may have responded in the old way versus how they could respond in the new way? Did they try it out and see what a difference it made to everyone around them? In the Book of Mormon, King Benjamin gives another common example of judging what someone deserves versus judging what is needed in his own sermon. He invites us to take care of the poor and the needy, but he gives a word of caution, saying, Perhaps thou shalt say, The man has brought upon himself his misery. Therefore, I will stay my hand 
and will not give unto him of my food, nor impart unto him of my substance, that he may not suffer, for his punishments are just. Side note, in other words, he got what he deserved. Next verse. But I say unto you, O man, whosoever doeth this, the same hath great cause to repent. And except he repenteth of that which he hath done, he perisheth forever and hath no interest in the kingdom of God. Pause for a moment. No interest in the kingdom of God. Is this because the kingdom of God is not earned? It's not actually a transaction of what is deserved. Could it be that you enter the kingdom of God by learning to use justice the way God uses justice to judge what good is needed instead of what punishment is needed or what is deserved. Next verse, for behold, are we not all beggars? Do we not all depend upon the same being, even God, for all the substance which we have, for both food and raiment, and for gold and for silver, and for all the riches which we have of every kind? And behold, even at this time, ye have been calling on his name and begging for a remission of your sins. And has he suffered that ye have begged in vain? Nay, he has poured out his spirit upon you and has caused that your hearts should be filled with joy and has caused that your mouths should be stopped, that ye could not find utterance. So exceedingly great was your joy. And now, if God who has created you on whom you are dependent for your lives and for all that ye have and are, doth grant unto you whatsoever ye ask that is right in faith, believing that ye shall receive. Oh, then, how ye ought to impart of the substance that ye have one to another. God is just. It's one of their most divine attributes. The universe is governed on the law of love. To be just would be to judge how the law of love could be fulfilled. Not by judging what is deserved, but judging what good is needed to lift the hands that hang down. What good is needed to help us progress? We are all beggars in some form or another. We all just want to be loved and supported in our needs. Friends, I am trying with all my heart and might right now to get rid of the old mindset of living in the law of Moses. I want to get it out of my system. No more eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. I had no idea I was so entrenched in thinking and living this way. Now I see it everywhere and I am trying to practice living in grace instead. How's the best way to practice this? (laughs) For me, it's simply asking the question, what good is needed? Now, don't be fooled into using this question in the old way, justifying that what good is needed is punishment. Be careful not to judge evil as good and good as evil. Responding by asking what is needed has many times felt awkward to me because it's not what I'm practiced at. But I'm convinced that this is how 
to build Zion. A people who are of one heart and one mind, and there are no poor among them. As we learn how to judge what is needed, we start taking care of each other instead of condemning each other. And it can start right in our own homes. What good is needed? What good is needed? What good is needed? This is pretty much my mantra of the year right now. I am asking this about everything and it is changing my life. May it be a blessing to you as well. See it, say it, feel it, do it, become it. You are a creator. Now go create something great. <laughs>